Minus three is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet you get with Caesar's rewards. Must be 21 or older. Minus three with Dave Damashek. Hi, hello, sports fans. Welcome to a new episode of Minus Three, presented as ever by Omaha. I hope you're doing well. I suspect you're not doing as well as I am right now. Tomorrow may be another day, but I'm feeling good as a Pittsburgh Penguins fan after a special win in overtime against the best team in the league by record, the Vancouver Canucks. This keeps my team alive. Reminder, I am a journey over destination guy now. I just want to kick it down the road another day, another week, another month where I have something good to watch in, in, uh, during the week at night. It was satisfying stuff. Eddie Spaghetti behind the glass. You're down there in Florida. Hope all's well with uh, you and the pasta clan. Yes, trying to get as much sun because I've heard the weather in L.A. is not so great. So trying to do that. And I happened to watch my Rangers, too. And I, I'm happy for you that you get to watch some stuff and uh, maybe just maybe uh, could sneak into the playoffs come May, June time there. But uh, we're now at the point of the NHL season where I, I don't even care about the wins. And hence talk about this with the president's trophy. Like, I just want the guys to stay healthy. There's nothing worse than seeing a tweet pop up from the beat reporters who were like, oh, yeah, so and so collided with so and so in practice. And he had to be helped off the ice. You're like, you just want to put the guys in bubble wrap and I want to press fast forward and get three months advanced. See, you're already a Yankees fan. So as you before that pit first pitch comes in more than a month from now, you already know you're going to be disappointed if you don't make the playoffs. That's the that's the Yankees fan. Now you have the rags tracking towards special things this spring. I feel I, I'd rather be you, but. This is an exciting time right now. Now, of course, it's going to be a punch in the gut if they, you know, don't make it. But in the moment here, this is an exciting time um, for me watching one of the all-time greats try to do maybe pull off maybe what would stand as his greatest deed. If he can drag this banged up team into the playoffs, I know it's crazy and I know he's won three cups, but I do think this would be on the very short list of his greatest achievements if he can drag them there but anyway we're not here to talk about hockey today i'm sorry i couldn't help myself i'm excited right now instead i want to talk about football the combine is going on in indianapolis right now but i want to skip right over that and talk about the afc north a little bit specifically the cleveland browns and we have a great guy to do it a cleveland browns diehard also a guy who Starting roundabout when football season kicked off this season, he jumped over to awful announcing and is now a sports media critic. He covers it. And I'm fascinated by the work he's been doing as the sports media as an industry is in the midst of what's been at least a five year long shakeup here as we transition out of tradition and what that means in terms of media presentation of sports into new media and the new figures involved and the clashing figureheads of all these things. So I'm looking forward to having that conversation. You know what, Eddie Spaghetti, let's get to him right now. Ben Axelrod from Awful Announcing. Let me squeeze in a quick break here. Let me ask you a question, Eddie Spaghetti. Why should you bet with Caesar Sportsbook? Ah, before you answer... 
Two words, Caesars Rewards. Those are the two words. Every bet brings you closer to the types of benefits only Caesars can offer. I'm talking about hotel stays, VIP experiences, sports and concert tickets, even more than just that. It's not only an app, it's an empire. 21 plus must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming, or Washington, D.C. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Utah, and other states where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Ohio, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or Maryland. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or West Virginia. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, D.C., Nevada, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Massachusetts, if you or a loved one is experiencing problems with gambling, please call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org for 24-7 support. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, here he is, everybody. A guy who I've been following on social media for any number of years. I'm not sure exactly how long, but I first became aware of him because his football rooting interests do not align with mine. In fact, they're 180 degrees away from them. He is a diehard Cleveland Browns fan. He loves all things Ohio. That makes him a Big Ten guy. And that means he roots for the Ohio State Buckeyes, which again, does not align with my rooting interests. <laughs> you can read his great work. And and, and I mean it. Um, really a fascinating new voice in the media that covers sports media from awful announcing in the comeback it's ben axelrod how are you man i'm doing good thanks for having me yeah i i remember actually like vividly when you followed me on it, it was twitter at the time uh and and obviously i'm familiar with your work and have been following you for years and i know you're a big steelers fan so i saw you follow me and i thought well i wonder how long this is gonna last i, I wonder how long and then uh, pretty soon we were DMing and, and going back and forth. And and I think we're kind of like-minded when it comes to our football team. So we, we have that in common. Yeah. It's I, 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 listen, I hate to start off on a sour note, but I always do. And I mean this from, a, I, I intend for this to come from a place of 
kind of empathetic kind of thing, but also a little bit of making fun. But it's got to stink to be a Cleveland Browns fan, especially if you live there. Two hour drive from Pittsburgh and you're separated by that invisible border. And on your side of the border is the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But on the other side of the border is where all the Lombardies are hidden or in fact, (laughs) not hidden, displayed on the banks of the three rivers. Vexing for you? Yeah, you know, and I I grew up in Columbus. And so Columbus is kind of neutral territory. Like there's a lot of Browns fans, but there's also a lot of Bengals fans. And and then Mm. there's also a lot of Steelers fans. And so like I grew up around Steelers fans. So it wasn't like, you know, I just got to commiserate with the rest of my Browns fans. Like I'd go to high school and, and there'd be Heinz Ward jerseys. There'd be Ben Roethlisberger jerseys. There'd be Jerome Bettis jerseys. So yeah, I mean, it, it sucks. It's it's not even just the Steelers. It's it's really the entire AFC North. You got the Steelers, the Ravens, and, and even the Bengals have had fun teams throughout my lifetime. So uh, we'll, we'll see what's coming down the pike here. But, but yeah, uh, I mean, it is what it is, right? Okay. I, I, I do want to talk <laughs> about the Browns and all and pro football and everything else first some sports media but now now i have to ask the question before i forget it why are browns fans as hateful towards the steelers as they are the ravens the steelers didn't take your team the browns are the ravens and the ravens are the browns your your beef is with that city that took your team and art modell moving them them into the empty stadium we had nothing to do with it yeah but but that's that's all that rivalry is based on. That's all we have with the Ravens is that they took our team. We we don't have like some long history of a back and forth with them where, you know, we were playing each other in the playoffs. We have that with the Steelers. Now it was, it was 30 or 40 years ago, but we have an on-field history with the Steelers that that's even been rekindled, you know, in these recent years with the Miles Garrett and, and Mason Rudolph stuff. So like, there's a tangible rivalry there that we can point to and say, like, we have memories of playing this team and those games mattering. We don't have any of those with the Ravens. Like we have some regular season games that were fun here and there, but we don't have any sort of track record of those games actually mattering for us. I, I mean, listen, you're in a power of influence now and you need to, <laughs> to flex your muscle and demand at least one, if not both of those Lombardies. They rightfully should be in Cleveland. I mean, it's that that Art Modell decided to do what he did shouldn't impact your pleasure. I whatever that team that everybody's rooting for in Ohio on the in the Northeast section. I don't know what we should be calling it, but rightly the Browns are playing in Baltimore. Anyway, let's not worry about that now. And I don't want to upset you because in your role at Awful Announcing. You're a media critic, and I would like to ask you a favor, maybe five minutes too late, and maybe erase your brain if you were upset by anything I said. I'd like you to critique the show from here on out, okay? Okay, I can do that. Because, I, I mean, that's kind of what you're here to do, right? Not not on this show, but in, in, in this venture at Awful Announcing. And here's the next question I have for you. With it being draft season, let's say it's not student-athletes who are good at football on the podium, rather... It is all sports media members. Who's the first draft pick right now? I think it's McAfee. I I think it's Pat McAfee. I think he's kind of got that buzz. He's kind of the it guy. Uh, He's versatile. Like, I don't know how many people have drawn a $1 million paycheck from three separate industries, but he's done that between Mm -hmm. his football career, uh, his media career, and the WWE. So, like, I just think he's kind of the it guy right now. Like, if, if you have Pat McAfee on your show, like, like, that's a big deal. 
He's the Caleb Williams of this class. Is he so? Okay, so he's Caleb Williams right now. I assume Big Cat is somewhere in the conversation. He's a a first rounder to be sure, and and probably a very high first rounder. Yeah, he he's probably more like the Joe Alt, like the the offensive tackle from Notre Dame. Like he's like he's a really safe pick, and and you know that like your your blind side is going to be protected. But like going back to me being a Browns fan, we had Joe Thomas for ten years in didn't play in a single playoff game. So like no disrespect to Big Cat, but like I don't know if he's necessarily the the Pat McAfee of this class. Okay, and so same standard I guess instead of drafting free agency precedes the draft is that w- would there be a different calculus applied to if everybody was made a free agent who would command top dollar is it st- is same answer McAfee? I think so. I, I think he has that track record. Um, I'd put Mina Kimes up there. I, I think that hmm. um, Mina, just what she brings from a football knowledge standpoint and from a likability standpoint, like not a lot of good football analysts are, are also likable necessarily. And she has like the highest Q rating of any football analyst I can think of. And I think, I think one of the things that gets lost. Wait, who Mina, has these Q ratings? Are these your, Q? I mean, are, is there such a thing that you look at or that you regard we we talk about it at our our media uh, analyst conferences. It's us and the guys from the big lead and and the guys from Zombie Deadspin and and those places. So so yeah, I mean we we have kind of a, a working knowledge of of what's going on. But um, I think Mina's really underrated as a writer. I really loved when she was writing for ESPN the magazine too. So um, yeah, I, I think her versatility is is really appealing. There's a big conversation about what is sort of outmoded or becoming that. And I thought that the the little dust up or whatever you would call it over the last couple of weeks between Simmons and McAfee, uh, you know, or, or you know, you know, traditional uh, broadcast and all that. And then a lot of there, a lot of people are upset that the NFL put a playoff game on a streamer and is going to continue to do all that. Where are you? Who, who's right about this? Because to me, I'll, I'll tell you my answer in front. I feel like they're both right. It doesn't feel like for all the insistence that, you know, more traditional media is going to go the way of the dodo bird. I don't think it's it, it, it's going to go away in the next half decade or so. But obviously McAfee has a different level of juice in new media. Is that right? Yeah. And, and I think that's kind of the interesting thing, but because you mentioned, you know, Bill and, and Pat going back and forth and, and a lot of the, I guess, trash talk was, was rooted in the ratings. Um, and, and Pat's not there necessarily to drive ratings. He, he's there to, to drive the, the digital side. Um, but then conversely, I, I thought it was strange that Pat was, you know, kind of chiding Bill for how many people were, were tailing his fan duel bets. Like, I think that that kind of shows you where in, in Pat's mind, where all this is heading is the best indicator of success is in how your, your ratings are in the 12 PM slot on ESPN. It's, it's how much business you're generating by people tailing your, your FanDuel parlay. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just think all this is so fascinating and, and I've been at awful announcing since September. And, and I think that's really the, the most interesting thing about all of this is we all know where it's all heading. Like we all know you, you said not in the next half decade and, and that's probably right, but in the next decade in the next two decades, is this all heading to digital? Probably. And so I, I, before awful announcing, I worked at a, a local TV station in Cleveland and we all know like that's where it's heading. We all know this is, this is all going to digital. This is all going um, over the top. 
But it's just a matter of how are we going to make that jump? When are we going to make that jump? Because it's still the ratings that pay the bills. So, so that to me is is what's so fascinating. And and I think you put that well. Is it's it's really just old media versus new media right now. Well, it's it. I think there's something to the infrastructure that exists for traditional broadcasting that's hard mm-hmm. to pull the plug on. I mean, the physical structures and beyond. It's sort of like after COVID, like do we really need to get in our cars or on the subway and get into the city to all exist in that big skyscraper? Can we just do this all from home? And a lot of the reason why you can't do that is like, what are we going to do with all these skyscrapers now? Um, I, I, I really do think that that's part of it. And, you know, there's a large percentage of the population that prefers broadcast still, although that number has obviously flat enough to tell you that, but um but is McAfee right, though, ultimately? Because I do think there is something, too, that the ratings and obviously the ad rate you get from that offset or does it at this point? I'm really unclear. So I ask you, like, is McAfee being able to 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 take his audience into making a bet as a for instance? Isn't that the ultimate sort of um, endorsement that that you could give or is it offset by, like I say, big ad rates on a show that's performing well on broadcast TV. I, I think there's a degree of it that offsets, but I think it's, it's more a matter of you're sacrificing some of your ratings now. And what you're gaining is down the road. That digital audience is ultimately going to be what's more important to, to ESPN and to, to other networks. So it's, I'm, I'm guessing ESPN knew its ratings were going to go down with McAfee in that slot. Maybe not as much as um, they have, but, but I think that the people who put Pat McAfee in that decision in, in that position were thinking this might not look as good right now, but in five years, this is going to look like a really, really savvy move. So I think it's more about being forward thinking. And I, I think that, yeah, some of the, the ad are the, um, the parlays and, and stuff like that, that might offset it to a degree, but I think it's really more about building that infrastructure for down the line when, when that digital audience and YouTube numbers and all that, when, when those are the, the key perform key performance indicators more than traditional ratings. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really like that, the, the pace that it's going to play out at. I mean, I remember when I was in college in uh journalism school, broadcast journalism we were told like, it's not going to be more than a decade or so before all these broadcast outlets are going to start doing pay-per-view for the big sporting events. This was last century. And obviously we're not there yet, but you are now finally starting to see it. So the promise that this is what's going to happen, that gauging, that's, I guess, the trick for you as an individual and as a, as a you know, massive uh, media outlet too, if you're ESPN or otherwise, is gauging how fast all this is going to happen. And I guess, you know, straddling the line and having, uh, you know, a foot on both sides of it is the way you try to do it. But I, I mean, I remember talking to an NFL exec a decade ago and saying, how much longer until you start putting playoff games on streamers uh, stra- and, and streaming them that way? And he said, why would we do that? And I think he was being rhetorical in the question just to mm-hmm. see what my answer was. But, you know, we are just now getting there. So if you devote your career to that at my age, I don't know that you ever see the finish line of all the McAfee is obviously in, in the sweet spot with, with where he is. Um, uh, anyway, I, I'm, I am fascinated by it because you and I have had some back and forth. Mm-hmm. I, I do worry about you. Obviously, we don't know each other, uh, <laughs> but. 
are you nervous when you're starting to to you know type something out there like these these are heavyweight guys that you're reporting on how how cautious are you on discussing and opining on what you think or who's right who's wrong and so on I'm I'm really not that cautious. I I I've been called out before. I mean, I I've, I've been called out by Bill Simmons. I've been called out by Pat McAfee. Um it it kind of comes out of left field, but I mean, it, it's my job. It's I I cover the media and those, you know, we're you're joking about having a draft like those are two of the big hitters. Like Bill Simmons is like man, I I don't know if I want to give him this, but like he's the LeBron James. Like he is really, you know, kind of the um godfather of the blogosphere and and really kind of set the model for for what we now view as traditional media but but really you know 20 years ago was non-traditional media so um it, look i i know bill like has an issue with aggregators writing about him but i it speaks to his importance when he opines on sports media i i think that he has an interesting perspective when he opines on the nba or the nfl i i think it's an interesting perspective and same with mcafee if, if mcafee you know is is having aaron Rodgers on a show or or says something about being canceled like that's notable and that's something that our website exists to cover and um if there was an interest in that then our website wouldn't exist so um i i really i i don't take it personally i i grew up a bill simmons fan like bill simmons was the the first podcast i ever started listening to uh i enjoy mcafee's show um and so i i don't take it personally um i, I don't I don't necessarily take pride in it and, and, you know, my skin does kind of crawl whenever I do get called out, but it, it comes with the territory. This well, is, that's the other side it? of it. Of course, if you want, <laughs> if you want to draw a reaction, you're in a seat now to do it. Right. I mean, yeah. if you want, if, if, if you equate and a lot of people do in the media, getting a rise out of people, well, I, I, I win when that happens. That's not your angle. It doesn't appear to be the angle you're taking. And yet I do find you a little bit more, out there with a pit not i don't mean that the opinions are out there the fact that mm -hmm. you are issuing them at all is interesting to me and with the with the with a touch of humor added to it i do think your point about bill simmons is interesting in that 20 years ago he was new media exactly mm -hmm. you know and now he what is considered on some level traditional at this point is largely what he had a humongous hand in building up over the last couple of decades all right Fascinating stuff. I think people are interested. I mean, obviously they are, as you say, or else uh, awful announcing wouldn't exist. Right. Um, I, are, do you think it's weird, though, that fans care about the ratings as much as they do? That's something to me that I, I that always is struck by. Like, if you get a Milwaukee and a uh, Sacramento uh, final in the NBA, people's reaction now sports fans. We'll we'll say like we'll, we'll say like <laughs> this ain't gonna be good for the commish. He's gonna hate this match. Like, what do you care? We just want to enjoy the games, right? Or or, or uh, is this now a part of being a sports fan? So I, I think it depends on your level of investment and and how like deep into the weeds you want to get. I, I think if you're like a diehard sports fan, th this stuff does matter. And actually, uh, Andrew Marchand, who, who's a great sports media reporter who left from the, the New York Post to The Athletic, and in his introductory column for The Athletic, he kind of explained why sports media is so interesting and, and why it's important. And to your point about ratings, um, ratings are ultimately what leads to, to the TV deal. And the, the TV deal is what generates the revenue for the players and for the owners. And that's what generates 
the CBA. And so like you, you look at the NBA and their media rights deal is coming up here, like that all-star game, which actually performed pretty well from a rating standpoint, but just the perception of it, that was probably a negative when it came to its potential TV partners. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if it impacts at all um, what what their next media rights deal looks like, because that ultimately generates what the, what the salary cap and the revenue and, and all that looks like. So, so I do think that um, in a lot of ways, that's kind of like the backbone of the business of sports. But to your, your overall point about ratings, like I think ratings are so – um, you, you have to apply context to them. Like ratings are just going to be down because there's less people with, with access to television, more people going to streamers. Uh, I'm a big pro wrestling fan and like we're, we are all accustomed to following ratings from the Monday night wars in the late nineties. Well, ratings have, have changed and television has changed so much in the, in the last 30 years that it's really apples and oranges. So, so I do think it's interesting. Um, but I do think that there's a lack of context often applied when, you're just talking about, you know, oh, it's Milwaukee versus Phoenix in the NBA Finals. This is bad for the NBA. I, I don't think that's necessarily always the case. Well, I'm a hypocrite to some degree because as an NHL fan, I do. I, it, it does have that vibe and always has like I'm a fan of an indie band that doesn't get a major <laughs> label. But, man, you guys are missing out. Um, and, and so, you, you know, you become evangelical about this sport. Where is the NHL specifically? Is it just never going to make it? All of Bettman's moving around over the last 20 years to spread the sport to the Sun Belt and otherwise. Has it worked or is it just always going to basically be a fringe sport? I actually I, I thought getting back on ESPN was a really big deal for them because I do think there's something to the exposure um, that comes with ESPN. I, I do think that, you know, they, they need to keep experimenting. They need to keep doing things like uh, the winter classic and, and, you know, kind of these big event type of feelings. Cause those games just have such a different feel than your. I think running. those specifically to be a, to be snarky about those. I thought those were awesome and it's diminishing returns. I don't that specifically. It's like, I, I love the idea of it. It it doesn't work when you watch the game, it's unsatisfying. And then it, it's a poor product, a poor representation of the sport. And so if this is the only time you're ever looking at it, I don't know that it gets your repeat customers, but anyway, I, I hear you your larger point sorry no and i can see that columbus ohio is hosting i think a winter classic game next year so it's kind of funny to think about like it started with these original six teams and now we're going to have throwback sweaters for the blue jackets next season so yeah i i, I can see your point there but i also think gambling is is just big for all sports and in the prevalence of gambling um i mean I, I i'm not an nhl fan but i have bet nhl nhl is exhilarating to bet and exhilarating to watch when when you have some some action on it so um i i do think that's big for the sport as well i agree with you completely about that if people would just dip their toes into those frozen waters i think they would really enjoy it some sports lend themselves more to it than others. And hockey is great with that puck line goal and a half is a super mm -hmm. fun bet to make on any game because a lot of games are within a goal in the final couple of minutes. And then one team that's down a goal will pull its goalie. And you're in it a lot of the time if you make an NHL bet. Never mind uh one-off goal scores are super fun to track because you just need to have one great shift, one great moment. And you can cash that as a gambler if you pick the right guy there. So yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. On that that's my fa my favorite sport to bet actually is UFC because it can the match can end at any moment. I mean, you, hmm. you could watch it, have a heavy favorite, have an underdog, whatever. It could end like that. And to me, hockey's the closest of the 
traditional sports that, that replicates that feeling. Okay. One last question about media. And then, then we talk uh, about AFC North. I promise <laughs> stack them up for me. I don't know if we need to include golf and tennis. Let's do the big six pro football, college football, pro basketball, college basketball, hockey, baseball, rank them in terms of popularity. However you can evaluate popularity a decade from now. A decade from now, where, where are they at? I am yeah. going to go. I, I still think football, and I think it's like football, they, they football. Had, yeah, football, football. It's pro football. I'd say pro football, big gap. College football, big gap. I, I just think hmm. it, it's it's crazy because five years ago we were probably talking about basket basketball is inevitable. Basketball is going to overtake the NFL, and that gap has just gotten wider and wider. So, so yeah, I'd say football, football. Um, after that, I would say basketball uh the nba after that i would say man i i think baseball actually i i think baseball with just the changes that they're making i i think um they're, they're starting to show that they're being forward thinking and i think they probably have enough of on of a lead on hockey um the the in 10 years that it, it will still be baseball after that i would put the nhl um in part because of gambling and, and the things we talked about. And then after that, I would put, put college basketball. Um, college basketball is just one of those sports. It's just kind of, and, and this might be a personal bias. I, I might be off on this. It, it's just fallen out of my wheelhouse. I don't know if that's being an Ohio state guy or what, but just like the diminishing uh, carry over year to year. I mean, it's different rosters every year for, for the, for the teams. I just, I find it impossible to keep track of the sport and stay up to date with it year to year i still love march madness and i think that you know the the gambling from that it's always going to be an edge that the sport has but but other than that i just unless we're debating storming the court like i just don't hear too many college basketball conversations on a day-to-day basis well it's exactly why obviously the 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 reason you say and the nba i don't know if they got in their own way and college basketball and the nba combined to get in their own way with the rules about uh, when a kid can can skip school and the one year requirement all that it has the weird mercenary effect i don't know that um you know do you think the kid who is the high-end nba prospect is is studying real hard in the one year that he knows that as soon as it passes he's leaving school to go to the nba is he is he hitting the books um not that i care if student athletes are doing that but <laughs> up on mount pius obviously um anyway that's interesting stuff okay now let's talk some afc north and i saw a tweet of yours this week and i i feel like there's an optimism that begins the second the NFL season ends. It this the off I don't know if it's the structure of the the off-season events if it's, you know, combine you start thinking about, oh, maybe that guy and you and you as opposed to hockey, you don't know the 17-year-old who's playing in Sweden right now whereas if that kid played in the SEC, that gives you a buy-in. You know, if you're a Big Ten fan, you know all the guys that are at the Combine right now, or most of them. And then free agency and then the draft, if the buy-in just creates this ongoing sense of optimism, like we're fixing whatever was wrong, and you feel that process more than you do in the other sports as a fan of, of a team. Um, but I think that the one place where you do not get this uh where, where, where this optimism is revealed for you 
is when the draft happens, first of all, every kid taken is like, this guy went to the perfect place. Oh, this guy's a great prospect. And this is, this is going to be great. They have to sing songs about that guy. But also the assumption that the Cleveland Browns are in a good spot right now, based on what they, what, what, the way it went last year, ignores the fact that they're still saddled with the, the, this Deshaun Watson contract news on Wednesday morning that now the brain trust of the Browns is flying to Los Angeles to meet with Deshaun Watson. What's going on here? Yeah. And it, it really just feels like groundhog's day from, from the Browns perspective. I mean, this is, we're going into year three of Deshaun's contract and it's the third off season where there there's uncertainty surrounding, you know, how he's going to play next season. It's the, the first season. It was the, the suspension and, and all the off field uh, allegations. The second season, it was that he played so poorly the season before that, that you're wondering, was it just rust? Is, is he a different player? Is he going to bounce back? And now this is like a pretty serious shoulder injury. And, and I think you could probably qualify any shoulder injury as, as serious for a quarterback. So, um, and, and, he he played up and down last year. He had some good games. He also had some atrocious games, including one against uh, your Steelers on Monday Night Football. So, um, yeah, I mean, th this is just where the Browns are, and it, it's kind of um, a reality of the franchise that that they gave Deshaun Watson uh, a five year, fully guaranteed, uh, ironclad contract. I mean, that's as bad as Deshaun was last season. Any other team would be having conversations about moving on from the quarterback, trading him, cutting him. The, the Browns can't cut him. They, I don't think they can trade him. Um, so it, it, it really, I hate the cliche. It is what it is. I know it's the second time I've used it here, but it is what it is. I mean, he, he's their starting quarterback for 2024. So yeah, that, that was the news that came out of the combine today is that Kevin Stefanski and, and Ken Dorsey, who's the Browns new offensive coordinator, they're going to fly out to, to Los Angeles where Deshaun's rehabbing and, and just talk football with him, not even, you know, throw or do anything like that. But this is, the third off season in a row where where Browns fans are left wondering, like, what are we going to get from the $230 million starting quarterback? It's a, it, it's a really wild. And, you know, if you're glass half empty in life as I am, you know, it's a pretty dire situation that they're in here because you, I, I you know, just last week and I talk about the optimism and that's why I got into it this way is because I just read something about like, is this the year that Deshaun, finally turns it around. It's like, we're getting pretty far away from his good <laughs> years. 2020, it really, it really, for me, kind of lines up with people that are still tuning in and DVRing and otherwise true detective. It's like, <laughs> next season will be, yeah, okay, Jody Foster's it. It's got to be good this time. Like, maybe we should just pull the plug on this thing. But to your point, the Browns can't. And I don't know if this makes you feel better or worse to what if and play the game that doesn't actually change things in reality. But what if I love to do this with football? So let's do it here. What if the Cleveland Browns had just said, you know what, Bake? I know you, you toughed it out for us on that bum shoulder. Talk about all that. You know, that was the weirdest move that they turned their nose up at Bake after they knew and the city knew and everyone who watches football knew that he was hurt and he was still trying to tough it out for this underdog, the ultimate underdog pro football team and all of that. That was a great story. And they steered away from it and said, no, let's go trace the troubled guy and give him guaranteed money. Right. I mean, is that am I reading that any differently than any Browns fan is? So, so Baker is a very polarizing player among Browns fans. And there is 
certainly a, a significant portion of Browns fans who feel exactly the way you did, who think Baker was our guy. We've been waiting 30 years since Bernie Kosar for our quarterback. We finally found a guy who um, who, who meshes with our city and it, it is a but pretty good quarterback. But you did find that because you did find that, right? I mean, isn't that the it, it, I, 2020 hindsight at least tells you that, right? I, I think it kind of ignores, though, the contract situation with Baker. I mean, he, he was at the end of, of year four. And so that's the point where you have to extend them. He was coming off a really bad year, regardless of the injury. Um, so it, you, you couldn't really gauge like how you were going to pay him. I, I think he had kind of worn out his welcome in the locker room. Um, I don't, I don't fault the Browns for moving on from Baker Mayfield. And, and I think, you know, the season he wound up having with the Panthers and the Rams a, a year later, I think kind of vindicated the Browns, but I can't justify the Deshaun Watson decision to, to me. I know it's easy to link the two because they were subsequent moves, but they weren't necessarily interconnected moves. I mean, they, they could have moved on from Baker and went and signed Russell Wilson, or they could have moved on from Baker and went and signed Jimmy Garoppolo right. or, or Kirk cousins. Like I, I don't think necessarily I want to blame the Browns for, for moving on from Baker. I just, I mean, the Deshaun Watson situation is, is an abject disaster. I mean, th- there's no way around that. Yeah. And you combine that with Nick Chubb and the reports on where his knee is and you know, how, wh- where he's going to be come September. Um, Let's talk about then, let's play the what if. Let's mm-hmm. say that the Browns don't sign. Let's say they do, I don't know, three-year deal? Would that have been plausible at the time? I don't want to just make crap up willy-nilly. Would they have had to give him the the NFL equivalent of a QB max deal? I don't know. that. I think they could have gotten away with the injury and everything else saying to Bake, we're going to two-year deal you, intermediate level deal here. Well, so he actually had one year remaining on his deal. He right. had his fifth fifth year option. And so you could have just played out the string on that, which yeah, uh, right. who did that? Our Chicago basically played out Mitchell Trubisky's contract. Um, but you could have done that. And but then I don't know what kind and, of And then what was. happens? Let's let's do that. Do that. Right. Okay. So you play you you have that season, which is last year, not this past season, but two football seasons ago. Twenty twenty two, yeah. What happens to the Cleveland Browns in 2022? Deshaun Watson probably lands with the Atlanta Falcons. I think we can guess that's where yeah. he's going to go. I, th- I think and that's where he wanted to go. Yeah. 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 And so, I mean, I, I think in hindsight, that's the better move because you keep all the assets and, and you don't jam up your salary cap and, and do anything like that. And you probably wind up just letting Baker walk at the end of the year, or, or maybe you franchise him and trade him depending on how he played. But, but based on how he played in 2022, which granted he was playing for, for the Panthers and, and for the the Rams who were out of the playoffs by that point. Um, it, it's tough to do like apples to apples there, but I just don't, Baker's been so up and down throughout his career. Like I'd be nervous if I was Tampa giving him a big contract right now. I, I know he had a, a really good year for them, but I just, Baker was not my guy. I, I, I I'm not a Baker believer. Um, but yeah, I mean, in, in hindsight, that that would have been the preferable move over giving up. What well, Cliff's notes, Watson. Cliff's notes version of this NFL is that whatever happens with Watson down in Atlanta and probably actually never does yield a division crown in that bum division for the Falcons. If they get slightly better QB and they maybe do win the division, but where the AFC North is concerned, I think you can make a pretty good case that the Browns win the division in 2023 if they have baked for 17 games. Look at what Joe Flacco just did. Yeah, I mean, that's they almost won the division with Joe Flacco. So, um, 
yeah, maybe not that far fetched. But then you would have gotten into how do you keep Baker for twenty twenty three because that's when his contract would have right, been yeah. up. You, you'd have to sign him or franchise him or or do something. So I just it's it's what Chicago's dealing with with Justin Fields. Like they don't necessarily not like Justin Fields. They just they don't know what kind of contract to give him, and they also have the opportunity probably most importantly to take Caleb Williams and, and just start over and start that rookie clock over. Do you think, well, I don't know that the money is there, but you can find the money when you absolutely have to find it as an NFL team. Do you think, do you suspect that they're going to have to chase one of those free agents at running back to replace Nick Chubb, go back into the draft, obviously have some nice runners, anonymous, relatively speaking as they are. Do you think that I like, cause I, I know this isn't fantasy football, but I think teams should at least factor in. Let's not let the Ravens get Derrick Henry. We should get Derrick Henry. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting free agents who just looking at the list who scream Raven or scream Steeler. So like as a Browns fan, that's where my mind goes. Um, But as far as the running back, this front office is so like analytically driven. I would be stunned if they invested anything significant in the running back position. The only reason they did with Nick Chubb, which was really like kind of a team friendly three year deal was because of how highly they think of Nick Chubb and because of what he means to the city and and all those cliche things you put in press releases. Um, But like, I think this is a passing team and I think they believe enough in their scheme and in their offensive line that they can stick Jerome Ford back there. Like I, I, if Nick Chubb's not healthy or Nick Chubb's not on this roster, I just, I'm guessing Jerome Ford will be their starting running back and he'll, he'll probably be a bottom five starting running back next year. But I think the, they're probably completely satisfied, you know, investing in the passing attack and, and um, getting Deshaun Watson some more weapons more than investing in a running back and free agency. That's interesting. I just wonder about the, again, the calculus of like, if you're Jimmy Haslam and Andrew Barry, who surely if you hooked them up to a lie detector, would uh, would w- would say they wish that the Deshaun Watson contract mm-hmm. ever happened. Clearly, that's the case. Um, and if nothing else to distract from that, because if Nick Chubb ain't ready to go and Deshaun Watson's your guy, and you have to go with Watson over Flacco, I don't think I think it'd be a hard sell that we're gonna roll with Flacco. I don't I don't know if Flacco's on the roster or anything by September with 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 Cleveland. Um, but yeah, I think there's, I think to the point that you're, that you were insinuating with that tweet, if I'm picking up what you were laying down there is there, there's potential for, for a real mess in Cleveland this season because, and the worst kind of disaster, which is one that is self-inflicted. You didn't have to do this with Watson. I think they cynically anticipated a different reaction from Cleveland and people are like, yeah, we want to win, but come on. There are limits to how far we want to go to win. Come on, man. Right. You know, to, to your point about the optimism and, and yeah, there's definitely, I, I don't want to skirt past that. There's, there are definitely, you know, Browns fans who, I mean, there are Browns fans who have given up the team. There are Browns fans who flatly won't watch the team with, with Deshaun Watson on the roster. So I think that's, I think Brown's ownership um, over, underestimated the fallout from, from that aspect of it. But um to your point about the optimism, like even if the like last season went about as poorly as it could have gone with Deshaun Watson, he he was pretty bad, um, and then he got injured, and yet they still won eleven games. So I think there's this uh, confidence with Browns fans that Kevin Stefanski can kind of win with anyone. He he pulled mm. Joe Flacco off his couch. I mean, they they were in a position to push for the playoffs before Deshaun Watson came back from the suspension with Jacoby Brissett. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see what the Browns do at the backup quarterback position. Cause 
if you don't think you can count on Deshaun Watson for 17 games at this point in his career, I, I don't know how you can think that. What do you do? Do you bring back Jacoby Brissett? Do you try to re-sign Joe Flacco? Like last year, they entered the season with Dorian Thompson-Robinson, who was a, a fifth-round pick as their backup quarterback. Um, and maybe they feel good enough about him now going into his second year that they think, hey, he could be the backup again. Yeah, right. But I, I also think that you would not see the Browns one year later go into a season with a rookie backup quarterback. I, I think they're going to want kind of that veteran insurance, whether it's a Joe Flacco or a Jacoby Brissett, because there are those questions about Deshaun Watson. And there's that confidence in Kevin Stefanski that he can get the most out of a veteran like one of those guys. I, I just think that human beings and, you know, type A personalities are usually what quarterbacks possess. But I do think this millennium, you're starting to see one of the guys kind of, uh, I don't need to be domineering to win the respect of my teammates, to win the huddle. Look around the league. Look at who's, is Patrick Mahomes seem like that kind of guy? I mean, I know we saw shades of it with one too many drop passes during the season, but Jordan mm -hmm. Love and so on, they're milder than the, the, the QBs, the shouting down your teammates on the field in front of millions of people on TV and otherwise. I think there's a different way to go. And and as far as that goes, I don't think necessarily the idea like we need some competition in here. And that's why I, I turn us to the other side of that Ohio, Pennsylvania border here. I don't know that Deshaun Watson wants Joe Flacco in competition mm -hmm. or in the in the building because that th there will be a loud call from Browns fans. Put the guy who almost, uh, you know, who, who, who took us places last year in, in the playoffs. But you, you, you take my point now. I've attempted to help you out with some, you know, some helpful hints for your football team. Who would you, a Cleveland Browns fan, a foe of the Pittsburgh Steelers, who do you hope is the Steelers starting quarterback in week one, 2024? Uh, either Kenny Pickett or Mason Rudolph. Uh, if anyone who's still on the roster right now, I, I would be fine with being the Steelers quarterback. Um, in terms of who I don't want to be the Steelers quarterback, I don't want Justin Fields to be the Steelers quarterback. Um, I would be okay with Russell Wilson, but I, I, I'd prefer Pickett or Mason Rudolph. I think the thing with Mason Rudolph, I, I, I've sort of come around this week with all the rumors. I, I don't think Russell is, I think he's a, a good guy clearly doesn't jibe with everybody who he comes across in NFL locker rooms. But I, you know, I think, I, I think it's underrated that he's a good guy. I say this all the time, but anybody who goes to a children's hospital and, and, and talks with, uh, with the, the sick kids, the way he does the day after he threw the interception to Malcolm Butler, he still made his weekly appointment at the Seattle Children's Hospital. I just think that's lovely stuff and shouldn't be discounted. But mm -hmm. obviously as a personality fit, I don't see him in Pittsburgh. I, I I I don't think it's a fit. I don't think the Steelers see it as a fit. So I'm not worried about that. Worried about. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I don't think Justin Fields is going to happen for a number of reasons. My opinion is flood the zone. Get options in that in that locker room. If you can get Mason Rudolph back, that means you don't get Ryan Tannehill in all likelihood because uh, the price tag for both is a little bit too rich. And then you draft, and then I'd love to see them get somebody like Spencer Rattler. And now that's a quarterback room that someone will emerge from. And same thing I said about the Sean Watson. My concern with that is, especially Mason Rudolph, my concern is, how's Kenny Pickett going to deal with that? Remember when the Jets 
had Sanchez in there and they're like, we'll bring Tebow in. It'll be fine. It'll be good for competition. It'll, it'll create the spirit through August. that will carry us into the regular season. Some cats just don't like that. They don't deal well mm-hmm. with that pressure. I know I wouldn't deal well with that pressure. I don't know if Kenny Pickett will be resentful if that will hurt him, if they bring Mason Rudolph back, but I don't think that's a part of the Steelers calculation. And it sounds like if it's Rudolph or Pickett Browns fans will be happy about it. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, that's, I mean, we, we dealt with Roethlisberger for, for close to 20 years. And so like, we're used to a Steelers quarterback striking fear in our hearts. And, and I just don't get that sense from Kenny Pickett. I, I thought what was interesting, you, you talk about like the process of how the Steelers handled this. I, I thought that was kind of the most interesting aspect of when they drafted Pickett was it, it was just bad process. I mean, they had just signed Mitchell Trubisky, who was one of the the better quarterbacks on the the free agent market that offseason, even though it didn't work out, but they signed him to be the starter. And then you draft a 25 year old rookie who based on the rookie scale and all that stuff, like if you draft a quarterback in the first round more times than not, now he has to start right away, especially if he's already 25 years old. So I, I don't know. I just thought that was like kind of a weird process and it, it kind of created this log jam the last two years when it came to the Steelers depth chart at quarterback. I think that's an interesting point. You have my my uh, mind swimming now with what would have happened because if Pickett, I mean, I'm sorry, if uh, Trubisky, well, he was the 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 starting QB. So if they give him the full season, then things would have really bottomed out. You assume right. that the back end run that they had to the Steelers had two years ago with Pickett doesn't happen, and that means Canada is shown the door. The offensive coordinator a season earlier and the Steelers are much higher up in the draft and they probably do feel an urgency to go get a quarterback in last year's draft because obviously they wouldn't have had Pickett there. But I do wonder if Pickett would have fallen to the second round. Probably not. He wouldn't fall as far down to Pittsburgh in the second round. But I also think what offsets this hypothetical is that at some point they would have said, Trubisky stinks. Let's go to Mason Mm -hmm. Rudolph, just like they did in December this year. They would have realized like, we got to do something. This is a mess. And Mason Rudolph sparked them to something different and exposed Trubisky as really deeply flawed. I wouldn't be surprised if that guy can't find, I don't know. So he's in a weird spot where Mitchell Trubisky goes from here is fascinating to see. Anyway, listen, held you for way too long. Good luck to your Cavaliers. I can tell from your social media feed, you're tuned into that as well as the Browns. And all things sports media, your voice is a fresh one in this space as somebody who loves to read about what's going on in sports media. I know there are several people out there who do it prominently. I really do, like I say, uh, enjoy the humor you've brought to the space. Keep it up. Stay safe, man. Don't go after anybody too hard. Oh, yeah. Before (laughs) you go, though, what's your review? Of, Of the podcast? Of this show. It was good. It, it was, oh, it was um, good. He did. Did you hear that? Eddie Spaghetti? His <laughs> voice went up at the end. He didn't like it. That, that was so, my Bill Simmons impression. <laughs> we were doing the thing. All right. <laughs> I, uh, so I, I mentioned Bill was the first podcast I ever listened to. Corolla was the second podcast I ever listened to. So, so your voice, uh, I, I know your voice well, and, and I'm a big fan of yours. And I, I really appreciate you having me on. Sure thing, Ben. Now give us a letter grade. <laughs> We'll go with a. Uh, did you see those NFL grades that came out today about the teams and the yeah. the facility? The Kevin Stefanski got a B minus and was the 28th ranked head coach. I, I don't know how that's possible. Uh, I'll give this a solid B plus. Okay, okay. There's room to grow, but we're yeah. headed in the right direction. Okay, okay. Good, good. We'll Fair. see if you ha- if you have me on again, and then we can we can review again. Okay, okay. Good. It's better when we're talking about 
movies and fruit and pro football. Like once we get into <laughs> hockey, it's hard to really engage yeah. and do top notch performance, but you really helped uh, hoist our, our uh, boat a little bit today there. We appreciate it. Ben Axelrod, check out his great work on awful announcing and the comeback. And yeah, we'll do it again soon. If you want to, I'll see if my name shows up in uh in an awful announcing piece in a positive. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'd love to. All right. We appreciate it, Ben. Uh, Thanks for all the time, man. Absolutely. Thank you. And now a quick break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. There he goes, Eddie Spaghetti. What did you think? Very good. Uh, I'd give it an A plus, not a B plus. Uh, one thing I will comment on that I thought was kind of interesting or surprising, or maybe not anymore, with Rob Manfred, the MLB commissioner, announcing his departure soon, was that Ben thinks in about a decade the MLB will kind of be on the rise. And I'd say right now, with the, the fanatics nonsense that we discussed on minus three, and it's just becoming a very regional sport, and obviously the disparity with team spending, um, it's hard to really envision how the MLB will improve ratings-wise and have capture what it used to be and i understand they're changing stuff with the game you know the pitch clock and the base size and all that but i don't think anything else is really improving so i just like i thought that was kind of not a hot take but i kind of uh you know opened my, my eyebrows went up a little bit i just think you know it, it's a conversation that i'm sure we'll pick back up come september october again but i just think baseball is in its own way with this with the playoff structure and i get the gains that are made in the last six weeks by more teams being in contention. But it 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 is an unsatisfying result when you're like, who's in the World Series? Wait, wow, how did they get? But it, it baseball, again, the nature of it doesn't lend itself to short series to try and settle some hash that was already settled by 162 games. The math just doesn't go the same. And so you wind up with these weirdo teams winning the world series and then it feels unsatisfying, but I agree with you. And by the way, very excited about the Pittsburgh pirates this year. I think they have a, I think they have a chance to be, you know, listen, they were not half bad last year. I think they have a chance of going over 500 this year. Um, We'll see about that. But anyway, good times with Ben Axelrod. That was a good conversation. I thought, and I think we had a really good conversation earlier in the week as we always do with Kevin Hench. We wish him all the best with his family and everything he's dealing with right now. Same goes to Toby Mergler from Trendy and Beyond at the Extra Points Network, wishing him and his family all the best. And uh, we do encourage you to listen to all the great content on the Extra Points Network. We'll be back on the other side of the weekend to help break it all down for you. Until then, for everybody at the Extra Points Network, including one Eddie Spaghetti, there in the sunshine state, travel back home safe, Spaghetti. It's been a thin slice of heaven.